Hawks and welcome to episode 27 of The Forecast. It's going to be a good one today. Our guest played his first game for the Hawks in 1987, wearing cap number 43. He went on to play 48 matches where he scored 1,511 runs with a high score of 144 not out. And he also took 69 wickets to go with it. He was part of our team of the first 40 years. Welcome back to the Hawks, Jeff Faff. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Faffy, thanks, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, so much I want to uh, grill you on and, uh, and see what, uh, what gold we can uh, uncover. But first of all, tell us about, like, were you, were you born and bred on the Gold Coast? Or where, where, sort, of, uh, where, where sort of were the beginnings for you? I, I was actually born in Rockhampton. My um, family lived there and they moved down to the Gold Coast when I was six months old, which... I've been forever grateful for. So I grew up as a coastie, flew to all my life other than that first little bit and uh, I've enjoyed it, really like the coast and living here, still living here, got a family here and, and uh, been involved in sport and other things, worked here. I now work in Brisbane for my sins, which means I have to drive up the M1 every day, but I've been doing that for about 13 years, but no, I really like the coast and that's a great place. And growing up, was uh, did you sort of play all sports or was cricket a focus from a young age? I started the first sport, I played soccer, I used to play for Southport Soccer Club, under sixes I think I started, and then did that, did the winter sports soccer till I was about 13, 14, went to TSS and then they sort of convinced me to play rugby um, while I was in grade 10, the last couple of years of school, but, and then for summer it was always cricket, you know, I went to Benalla Primary School and was itching to sort of get to grade 5, I think it was then when they first had organised school sport, and played played cricket there and then played for Musgrave Hill, I think it was my juniors, who we were a standalone club. Apparently we went we were supposed to go and sign up for Queens and my mum went to the wrong ground and we ended up <laughs> sign up for Musgrove Hill. I didn't and even know that existed. It must yeah. have been right around the corner of Queens. It was. It was at Hunt Park, I think. Yeah. So it was wasn't far off. She just took the left turn to the right <laughs> turn. And um, so I started playing there sort of under twelves. That was as early as she could play didn't have under tens then. And then they merged with Southport because Southport Musgrove had all the juniors and Southport had the seniors. Then they become Southport Musgrove and then later Southport. So uh, that's where I sort of first started playing cricket. Mm. And what about uh, watching cricket? This would be in the in the seventies. What are your memories of watching cricket as a as a kid? Um, yeah, probably late sort of seventies, sort of early eighties. Oh, um, Greg Chapel and Dennis Lilly were my heroes. Um, so I used to sort of watch them. You remember doing the yeah, that was when sort of one day cricket had just sort of started as well and used to have the old school book where I'd score off the telly and things like that and you know replicate being the heroes out in the backyard but that's where I sort of got hooked on cricket um didn't really go to much cricket then I didn't really start going to the Gabba and watching stuff till I was a bit older but just on just watched it on telly but yeah I was hooked at an early age cricket was a good sport loved it I think I still got my first bat somewhere yeah old granny was scoop that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and so, like, and like, did you try and mimic your own batting off Greg Chapel, for example? Or oh, I was never as elegant as he was. <laughs> I think he was, he was That'd be pretty else. hard, though. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And then I think, um, yeah, back then Australia wasn't as dominant as they went through a lull period when those guys sort of retired in mm. the early '80s, and they did it tough for a while. And the West Indies were dominant. We used to enjoy watching that. You know, the fast bowlers that they had was brilliant. And, the way they played their cricket. Um, but no, for me, I didn't really try and copy anyone or anything. That was very much unique in my technique and things like that. And what about senior cricket? Where did that journey start for you? So you went to school to TSS? Yeah. Played through? Well, I started early because when, when Musgrave Hill merged with Southport, we started playing fourth grade, I think, <laughs> for local cricket. And I must have been about 12 or 13 then, I think. And then I sort of had a bit of a rapid rise and I'm played first grade towards the end of my second sort of year playing men's career. I must have been about 14, I think. Wow. wow. And then was in and out. And then it wasn't until that following year, which must have been 87, 88, I think. I was about 15 and I was not so happy at um, Southport. They didn't really have good coaching and things like that at the time. And Ross Chapman from TSS was a guy that I'd got to know and work with it at school and he sort of suggested to come across to Helensvale and so um, I did that and one of the reasons was that I had such a great wicket. Southport Sharks, before they were the Sharks, AFL used to be there as well okay. so it was, that was the winter tenant then 
Southport Cricket Club played there in the summer, and then the Southport Tigers rugby league just over the back, but the pitch was a bit ropey. I think it had had a, I think there's going back like Queensland country might have played New Zealand there in the seventies or some. Oh, yeah, well, that was its glory days because it was like pretty bare and full of weeds and stuff, and so it wasn't a great deck to bat on every week. Um, and then with Ross being here doing the coaching and then the, a good wicket, it was sort of an easy choice. I actually think there was a... Southwell didn't want to release me. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> there was some tussle for a couple of weeks because they wouldn't... Be back and forth. Something like that. And I was like a 15-year-old school kid. I paid on my fees and stuff like that. Yeah. So, But anyway, um, in the end, it was a good move. I think I really enjoyed my time here. And I was going to say, being 14, 15, 13 even at... Um, you know, from what I hear, like, you know, there's some pretty big names and fairly good comp back then. So what was that like for you, uh, being being only a kid coming up against some, uh, some you, decent names? You grew up pretty fast mm-hmm. back then. Like, it was hard school cricket. Um, I remember even my early days, Southport, the likes of um, Derek Porter, Paul Hicks, um, Mick Pymont, guys like that who'd been around seemingly forever. Um, and then when you got here, again, you had the Ross Chapmans and the David G's and... Um, you know, pretty some willing games locally. Like there was always, you know, clubs which have been strong all the time have always sort of been strong. And Queensland was always strong. They had the Bruce Oxenfords and Jared Whites and Ross Wallaces and Brad Wintons and, and then your Palm Beach had your Stanleys who, who'd moved from here and uh, the Thompson brothers and yeah. a heap of others. So yeah, it was a really good comp. It used to, but it was a, it was a, there was good camaraderie in the comp as well. Like, yeah, it was hard, but afterwards, because they played on Sundays then. So there used to be a bar over at um, Main Beach. I think it's sort of Grumpy's Wharf. It's near Marina Mirage now. And that used to be the place where everyone would go on Sunday <laughs> night after cricket to sort of mingle and have a few beers. And it was good. Yeah. So that's, and that's, yeah, what a different picture that is where clubs are coming together. So on a Sunday, I guess all the clubs have come after their first grade games and they're just swapping war stories. Used to be the place to go. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. And, and like Ross Chapman, tell us about, I mean, you know, he's someone that me and Steve, I guess, have never had the opportunity to meet, but uh, you hear lots of good things about him. What, what was Ross like to, you know, to, to play for and all that sort of thing? He was great. He was probably towards the end of his career then. He, um, he might have been sort of mid to late 30s, I think close to 40 then. He'd played, come out of Sydney and opened the batting in grade cricket down there in the sort of Thompson and Pascoe era when he was like only a 16, 17-year-old without helmets and things like that. So uh, played a couple of games for New South Wales and then come to the Gold Coast and uh, I think he started Queens actually. I think he might have gone there first and was involved in their first premiership and then came out to so Helensvale. But really good guy, um, the type of coach who would get the best out of you by getting you to learn things and you know, doing it yourself as opposed to just sort of preaching and dictating all the time and uh, didn't really raise his voice and was a good guy to have a have a laugh and a drink with as well. He's a nice fellow. And during those teenage years, were you playing any junior cricket or were you just playing senior cricket? Uh, no, I still played junior cricket because it was, because um, the senior cricket was on a Sunday then so I could play both. I think... When it sort of became tricky was when I went to TSS. I didn't, um, couldn't play the full season of under 16s, I think. But all the way through there, I played junior cricket. Played for Gold Coast then, and then SEQ. And um, I think I started slow. I didn't really. I got picked for SEQ early in under 12s. I didn't make a Queensland team until sort of under 14s. It was a good one to make because it was a three-week tour to New Zealand. Oh, um, that's a 14 or was a 13 year old. Yeah, so they took the under-14s and the under-15s and we went, flew to um, Christchurch and then basically had three weeks and played 10 games, drove up to Auckland. It was one of the best tours ever. Unreal. Who yeah. was your coach then? Uh, there was a guy called Paul Coker who's Ipswich, who's, um, was a, most of the school teachers back then and did the junior cricket stuff on the side. Um, and then I'm trying to think Scotty Muller was actually another Gold Coaster he was in the um, under 15 side at the time so it's when I first got to meet him and know him but yeah those were good days back then Hmm. and something that yeah always is kind of interesting to hear I mean what this place looked like uh, maybe in late 80s or or whatnot when you first came here I guess was it was a pretty different sort of uh, Helensville and and Hessian and this area very much um I think Clubhouse hasn't changed because it was here um, and there was still talk then about building it in the wrong spot, should have been on the road and face the sun and all that type of stuff, which 
may still come up now, I'm not <laughs> sure, but yeah. um, the ground itself was always good, uh, the wicket was good. Um, it, we had the world's smallest change rooms though, I think they look a bit bigger these days, mm. but um, and it, yeah, it's very similar, I think there might have been a daycare yep. next door, uh, like a um, playgroup type thing that was run all the time, but uh, no, it hasn't really changed too much, it was a lot uh, schmickered now than it was back then, but yeah, the, the bones of it are pretty much the same. And and so like yeah, but like we kind of spoke about I guess beforehand. So I know you sort of played till about ninety four. You had a couple of years away, or yeah. So what, what was sort of that was when the Dolphins started. Right. So uh, so you were a foundation Dolphins player. I so, was. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was at the time. Um, well, for a lot of golf coach cricketers back then in the eighties and before, if you wanted to play in Brisbane, obviously you had to move to Brisbane, you couldn't do it mm. from the coast. And I think the best example was uh, a guy called Craig Spence, who was probably one of the better batters running around coast cricket from Southport, had gone up and played for East in Brisbane. And there was always talk around um, the Gold Coast trying to get a team in Brisbane or um, or put aside, and it didn't really happen until they used to have a Colts team in the Brisbane comp, which was... Uh, most of the better young players from all the clubs would come together under an ex-experienced player and play as a team in the comp and they disbanded it because it got hard to manage and mm. clubs didn't like losing their better players and the like. So um, they, they asked the Gold Coast and District Cricket Association, as it was then, the seniors to put in a submission to Brisbane and got through. I was actually away. I was in England playing because I'd finished school and went straight to the UK for a year to play. And then when I came back, they basically made me come back early, and um, and yeah, I played on the first day in September back in 1990. It's like a massive moment in terms of yeah. like you look Gold at all the, history, yeah, yeah, you look at all the guys that have come through that club now and gone on to bigger and bigger and better things. I mean, yeah, huge. You must look back on that and kind of go, oh, that's pretty cool, right? Like it was awesome because I'd actually started to scout around to try and find a club. I was going to have to move away, and I was sort of talking to East and talking to West. And trying to find the right home to have to go and move to Brisbane to to um, at least play and train, and then this came along, and I could still live at home with my parents and uh, go to school or study on the coast and play the best standard cricket you could. And that was the whole idea behind the Dolphins was enable people on the coast to do that. And it was interesting when we got up to Brisbane. Um, you know, a lot of the other clubs sort of said, "Well, where are all these players been? That's like they've come on the Gold Coast to mm. play down the coast." So they were quite surprised at the the strength and the depth of the talent that we had. Uh, well, that was going to be my question. Did you feel competitive straight away? Uh, we did. Um, look, it wasn't, I, you know, it was hard because we were coming up against um, a lot of clubs who were pretty hard and had a lot of shield players and used to play a lot of cricket mm-hmm. in club in club cricket as well. So that was tough. Um, but yeah, we, you know, we probably had a few disasters at the start but then <laughs> you know, did pretty well. I think we won handful of games in the first year and you know pretty pretty respectable and the um just quickly the english experience you so wh- where did you go over there and how, how was that yeah so i uh, came through um tss because they had a um well while i was at tss they had a school come out from Trent college near not in long eating which is near nottingham and um the school pro was out and he knew i was looking for somewhere ian redpath was on the coast then who came from Essex and he was sort of trying to stitch me up with something at his old club and then um, this fella from Derby, Derbyshire, sort of had a better you know, arrangement to get looked look me after and so I went over, um, finished school, worked for four months at a place called the Car Ranch in Southport, washing cars <laughs> and saved the money up to travel over and then played there. I ended up having four years in total so I went oh, yeah. on in 90, then went back 94, 95 and then again in 2003. And Ian Redpath, uh, funnily, I learned the hard way that's not Ian Redpath, the former sure, former Australian test opener, but, uh, but he made a double hundred, I believe, for Surface Paradise or something like that. He was a fair cricketer in his own right, if he, even if he wasn't the Australian test cricketer. Yeah, first class cricketer from England, played yeah. for Essex and Derbyshire, yeah. and him and his mate, uh, Rob Poot, came out on holiday in the Gold Coast. And I think he still plays, doesn't still he? Around, yeah, 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 and, for uh, Surface, yeah. Rocked up to Surface and, as it is, made him play third grade or fourth grade to start with and, and got double under I think he was in first grade after that but played a lot of Dolphins Redders yeah. and um, uh, he was a really good guy he um, he, did, he was the type of guy just bat all day he yeah. can only bat at one pace but uh, yeah no he was uh, 
big run score. So we'll keep working through chronologically, but what? Who? Who was in that first Gold Coast side? So that first first eleven. Dolphins. Yeah. I was actually looking at the photo the other day. So you, uh, so Scott Muller was there. Ross Chapman was captain. Bruce Oxenford played. Mm. Terry Oliver, Craig Spence, and moved back from East to play for there. We had a guy called David Todd who played Queensland Colts, came out from Townsville. Um, Jared White, who was uh, played for Queens, batsman. Nathan Jones was a fast bowler. I used to call him Napalm. <laughs> One stage they said he was the fastest white man since Jeff Thompson. <laughs> Um, and uh, trying to think here, yeah, Mark Nan was the other one, I think. Mm. Uh, that's pretty close to 11. But, yeah, and you we, were cap number what? Uh, I think they did it on batting order. Okay. So I think I was six. I think, yeah. That's so pretty that's cool. how it works. Um, and we had some help. So um, that was the first team for the mm. first game. But we had um, John Stevenson, who's an English import, played one Ashes test in 1989 came over, he came after sort of round two, I think, and played for us for a couple of years. He ended up being the head of cricket at the MCC, actually. He's just yeah, wow. moved on to be the CEO of Essex. He was on the coast for a couple of years and played for the Dolphins. And then Graham Hick played for us because he was in playing for Queensland that year. Um, and so Queensland Cricket um, allocated him to a club and he played about nine days for us, I think, out of the... 22 or whatever it was. Did he go all right? He did go all right. Yeah, he <laughs> uh, scored a couple of big underings. Yeah. yeah, he's a great guy as well. It's yeah. awesome to see how close they went about it. I, um, going back to something you said earlier when, when I asked you about Greg Chapel and you sort of said uh, that you had your own very unique way about going about batting. Tell us more about that. Were you, so you just said like Ian Redpath was very like a one pace kind of guy. Was that more your go or were you more the uh, the dashing kind of? Uh... I, was, I used to get bored, so I used to like <laughs> getting after it. And I used to have fun here because we used to have targets that were usually outside the ground. <laughs> so I think my I hit the house on the hill a couple of times <laughs> and lobbed one on the 10th tee a couple of times. Uh, against some, uh, what's it? it was against Runaway Bay actually and it was, um, He's still playing now. He was the president there. I'm trying to remember his name. Um, little oh, is it still Harker? Travis yeah, Harker. Trevor Harker. <laughs> I was going to say, young Trevor. Yeah. Who reminded me about about 20 years later. <laughs> I said, you're retired now. He said, oh, no, I'm still playing first grade. Mm. Still going all right too, Trav. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, anything to do with me and targets here was off my own bowling too. So I'm kind of <laughs> in Trav's. Was it? Uh, Trav's sort of... Uh, I can relate there, but um, and was no, number yeah. six, number six always your position, and you felt like you could play that role. Oh, I, that was probably yeah. I was probably anywhere from three to six, mm-hmm. um, depending on the team at the time or the issues, but or, or you know, the makeup. But yeah, I, um, my batting style was definitely you know I had a good strike rate, I think, because um, I just like to get on with it. I had. A, yeah, not a weird technique, but I used to I used to actually bat almost one-handed. I used to hold the very focused on just top hand, and um, this hand was just I used to hold the bottom of the bat with the right hand, two fingers, and found it was just the best way to you know, keep the ball on the deck and yeah, right. play straight, things like that. I used to Ross was a big coach, and I did a lot of Sam Loxton actually um, while he was around as well, and so that was the sort of biggest influences on my technique. Yeah, well, yeah. well, and yeah, Sam, one of the invincibles, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's... Knows his way around. Yeah, gee. Like, um, Speaking of your batting, so we've got down here high score of 144 not out for the Hawks. Do you, you have any recollections about that? Would you remember was, when it was? It was against Kuma, actually. And um, I remember coming out all serious and wearing a helmet, and Brad Murphy was the wicketkeeper for Kuma, and he said hello to me, and I sort of, well, I didn't respond, and he said to me about, hey, come on. He said, first of all, you can take that helmet off. You're not going to need our attacks like a pop gun. <laughs> and, uh, and then we got a laugh. It was a good day. Yeah, it was good. And it was, again, it was a cracking pitch. And once you got in, yeah, it's hard to get out. Was it here at Hessian? It was at Hessian, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Hit some targets that day? Yeah, it might have, I think. Um, I think Ronald Bay was one I did the biggest job on. And then I got a guy at Mudrabar one day who <laughs> was actually a bit of payback. When I was at school, and I played in the first 11 in grade 9, so... I only went there in grade nine, and we played an old boys game. This guy played for Montreal. His name was Mark Irwin, and he bounced me first ball. And I didn't have a helmet because I didn't wear a helmet till later. Even the first couple of years of grade cricket, I didn't wear a helmet. Anyway, he cut me, and I had to retire hurt. And um, I thought it was quite big of him bouncing a thirteen-year-old kid. <laughs> um, I got him back 
out of here one day. It was a hot day, and the faster and shorter he bowled, the further they went up the road <laughs> in the Discovery Drive. So. I, I recall, you know, the batting side of your uh, your days. I didn't realise you would have taken sixty nine wickets. So, were you were you actually bowled quite well? Or I, did, I haven't <laughs> bowled actually. That time, when when I was sort of seventeen, eighteen, I was uh, opening the bowl and uh, going through pretty quick actually. So uh, I had a uncomplicated technique, I think, and I was strong enough and broad enough in the shoulders to weigh them down and then it wasn't until I got more smarter in my later career that I figured that it was a mugs game so I do <laughs> more batting than bowling. And um, going in your, your Dolphins, so what was that first Dolphins year? What was that you 1990. 1990. So, and so talk us through what was the, like, so how many consecutive seasons did you play for uh, the 13. Dolphins? So 13. So it started 1990, 91 and yeah. then Retired in 2002-2003. But you came back to Helensvale for a few years in between? or, or No, so what I did, I played Helensvale in the late 80s, and then when the Dolphins started, I had a couple of years out, yep. and then came back to Helensvale sort of, you know, 92, sort of 93 for a couple of years. And then um, it was about the time where it was, well, they were moving Gold Coast cricket to Saturdays as well, so you had to decide which one you're going to play and I was always main game as Dolphins mm. so I had sort of 13 solid seasons with them plus the four years of going to England in between mm. and so by the time even though I finished reasonably early I think I was only 31 I'd had enough I'd played a lot of cricket by then so so there was a period there where you could play for Helensvale one day of the weekend and Dolphins the other day yeah 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 and it was it actually got a lot of the Brisbane players cottoned onto it and uh, not Helensville, that's part of the reason why I always liked Helensville, was um, as a club, you knew that you know, if Helensville got any money, it would go into improving the facilities and Come make on. sure a better wicket and yeah. things like that. And, and um, some other clubs weren't like that. So they, <laughs> They're still not. They, they, they'd um, pay players, which I think for local community cricket's actually uh, not very good at all. But yeah. And so a lot of Brisbane players come down and used mm. to play down here. And so um, you had teams stacked with Brisbane grade players. And it was all fun until someone did something wrong, got suspended, and then got rubbed out of grade cricket. Oh. And, um, yeah, all of a sudden they shut down, and I think they put caps on it or limits. So would you say your best year at the Dolphins was that 96-97 season? So yeah. that's the one where you won the, the yeah, Peter Burge medal? Yeah, I was yeah. sort of there or thereabouts all the way through, but then that year it sort of clicked, and I mm. think I scored about three or four hundreds. And, um, just going scoring runs all the time, which was which was good. Um, won the Birch Medal, played some second level cricket, went to the squad, um, and then yeah, that was easily the best year I had. So talk to us about um, was there do you, was it a mental thing that clicked? Were you finally yeah? What what do you reckon was the thing about that year? It was actually not overthinking it. To uh, the first, I sort of set myself off the first game we played Wynnum, and it was a wet pitch, and my view with Weddies was always, you know, let yourself get hit if you have to, and if the ball's up, you know, get after it, because you're going to get out eventually, so you might as well go after them, and so I scored a quick sort of 500, and then after that, in the following matches, I just sort of really relaxed, and I had a pretty simple approach to batting, I always used to have uh, a single on each side of the wicket, so I'd look around the field, know where there's one run to get off strike, and know where there's a boundary, and then I'd just wait. Mm. either wait for your four or wait for your single and um, other things would come but it's just a simple way to sort of bat and it seemed to click and I just couldn't get out. Did you face some pretty strong attacks during that year as well? Uh, you know, Queensland players? Yeah, well there was always back then they didn't play as much cricket at the elite level as they do now so um, there was always, you know, like I said, Hick played nearly half the season and still played all the games of Queensland that year so um, back then in that era you've got you know, the Andy Pickles were just sort of starting to come through Casper Richards were around his my vintage anyway um, I caught McDermott at the end before he came to the Gold Coast when he was still playing for West um, Rackerman was probably one who was um, one of the most fearsome because he just, um, was so tall and uh, hard to get down if we could too because he had such a great bounce uh, Tasla was good, was a bit slower and a bit sort of uh, more swing. And then, you know, there was a heap of guys running around in Brisbane, great cricket, who just wanted to kill you. Yeah. Um, you know, Scott Williams or Eddie Mariner, and blokes are genuinely quick. And so, you know, you, you could, didn't have to be a big name, you could be 
brain by anyone really <laughs> on their day. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, like like we said, you so you retired in sort of early two thousands, and then at what point did you move into sort of the management side at, at the uh, at the Dolphins? Too soon, I, <laughs> I, I really um, um, finished cricket and was over it. You know, I was sort of happy to not go down to a cricket ground again. And then it wasn't until probably maybe just under 10 years later, I think, it was the old... I'd still just stayed around and close to it and watched it, but it wasn't every weekend and stuff. I was enjoying sort of working and um, having kids and stuff like that. And, and then, you know, they reach out to me because I, I did some accounting in my study and then they said, oh, we've got a problem with our accounts. We need you to come and help. And they actually had a big problem because they hadn't lodged their fair trading forms or something mm. for three years and was just about to have their assets vested and the club wound up so that got me back in and fixed that problem and then when you fix one there's always another one. So. <laughs> and so did you come straight in uh, onto the committee or into an executive role? Just or? on the committee yeah. and uh, Alan McGilbray was there who's an older guy who'd been president off and on for most of the time the club had been there and then it was sort of, I did that for a couple of years and it was already a good time to sort of take over from Al and I think I'd end up with that six years as president before before we started you mentioned that the the problems back then are the same problems we we face today if you could paint a picture of the the best product of cricket on the gold coast what do you think what do you think that looks like yeah look it's i think that one of the big things that is a challenge for clubs volunteers these days because i know the dolphins particularly not a big club they don't have as many grades as um, a lot of the local clubs and they just struggle to get um, people to help and I think um, it's the same in every cricket club um, I think back in the days where a lot of the parents used to come and mum and dad would be in the kiosk all weekend sort of gone uh, seems to me now like a lot of the kids just sort of get dropped off and and it's rare to find those people who just come don't have an interest in the club and love it and, and you've got to hang on to them like gold when you get them but uh, I think I think the fundamentals are there. Like the, the fact that dolphins exist is great because it gives a pathway for juniors to go all the way through. I think some of the sometimes that got a bit clouded a bit with the seniors still liking to go off and play in the Queensland country system because it doesn't get you any further than the dolphins. So, but for a kid coming up, all of a sudden it's a bit murky on which way to go. It depends who they're talking to, the, the right people or the wrong <laughs> people maybe. But uh, so I think that's good. Um, I think there's always going to be challenges on the coast with facilities because it's a sport where lots of kids want to get involved. So grounds are um, hard, and particularly if you want to play every, everything on Saturday. Um, whether that means that you know, the track that Sundays have to come back in for juniors or seniors or a mix of whatever, so you can better use the, your facilities. Um, I think as a sport, it's missed a little bit, like strategically it probably didn't push itself as quickly as others when you look at the Gold Coast City Council sport plan and you look at all these sport and basically they tick things off from grassroots through to elite and cricket just has grassroots as a ticket for sort of four or five years ago it's better now because Metricon's up is being used for Big Bash and other things like that and so it's trying to um, fill that gap I think the Gold Coast has a lot of opportunity it's still probably the biggest untapped cricket market in the country and um, you know, Monday maybe there's a big bash franchise which is here, which would be awesome too. But yeah, that, that's something you've you were certainly pushing quite hard on for quite some time when you were in the Dolphins presidency, right? It was, and I, I sort of started with it because I saw when I got to the Dolphins, we didn't have a big population to tax to get the money to run the club, and I saw, but we had great facilities that were probably underutilised, and so I wanted to, I tried to get in, and I did get them in. Um, international teams to come or domestic teams to have camps there because it's an easy easy money spinner and then from that just became we had an Australian women's series there in 2014 uh, T20 series Australia played Pakistan and there was lots of talk about how good the facility was and how great the Gold Coast was and so with the council really got together and started to look at a strategy to bring bigger time cricket to the coast and the Suns have been going for a while because they had the lease at Metricon everyone and their dog had been through it from Australia and said how great it was but then when they said well, when you bring the games in so it doesn't work like that and I came to it from the grassroots angle when we put the both together cricket liked it and so 
uh, sort of went off from there. So who were you having meetings with? Like how high, who do you talk to? Were you talking to Queensland cricket guys or Cricket Australia guys? Uh, or? Cricket Australia, yeah. So um, uh, all the senior guys, Queensland cricket, obviously because they had an interest in it too. Uh, and then, but we sort of tapped straight into Cricket Australia as well through the infrastructure team, government relations team, and uh, James Sutherland at the time was involved as well. So it's because um, it's a big thing for cricket to go to a new ground. We we the strategy we put to cricket was here's here's Bill Pippen Oval at Rabina and Metricon, and I just think of it as the Gabba and Allen Waterfield. You know, you got one which is big stadium, you can play any big match there. You got another one where you can use for training, smaller attended matches and the like, and that's what they. Uh, one had the ground, the cricket stuff, which was Bill Pippen, but not the off-field stuff that was ready. Metricon had all the off-field stuff, but no cricket infrastructure. So uh, once we close those gaps, it really gives us an opportunity to have any type of cricket match here. It always astounds me, like, so on a Saturday during the summer, we have six grades of cricket here on the Gold Coast, which is, you know, similar to what they have in Brisbane, obviously more clubs in Brisbane, but when you talk about being an untapped resource, like, it, you, you don't think cricket as being a, a, a big sport on the Gold Coast, but you have hundreds of guys that play every single weekend. And, and that's um, part of the... I first got involved in the first sort of precursor to cricket Gold Coast back in the late 90s, and that was the idea, was to get get the three groups together and then have someone or a body or a board or whatever else that work for all of cricket and go to sponsors and go to governments and the like and try and use all that you know, participation and get something more out of it because you, it's not just a club going knocking on someone's door asking for money, it's all of these players and their families and supporters and the like. So I don't think we've really cracked it yet. I think it's still been a bit more operational focused rather than strategic and high level, but Hopefully we'll get there. Yeah, so on that, what do you what do you think the best relationship between the Gold Coast competition, the Gold Coast clubs, and the Dolphins could be? Because at the moment, it seems like we have the Dolphins operate as a premier career club, and then we have Cricket Gold Coast, a senior and a junior board, and there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of overlap. Is that your experience? Um, look, when I was president of the Dolphins, I tried really hard to, you know, um, um, you know, knock the barriers down a bit. And some some clubs embraced it, others didn't. But I gave everyone the same opportunity, and that was things like you know, come down, being able to use the facilities, use the turf nets when the dolphins weren't using them. We instigated a president's eleven day where the, each club would provide a player, and then they play the dolphins as like a season launch day. That's really cool. Ran for about three or four years. Yeah, it was good, but then sort of dropped off because the locals just kept wanting to pick their best team to to win. Um, <laughs> um, but I think. Um, yeah, obviously the pathway is there. I think um, it's you also got to recognise too that um, you've got to have the alignment in the right place at the right spot. And most, I think I did the, did the calcs when I was at the Dolphins. Um, the last 35 first grade debutants at the Dolphins when I finished being president, only one of them came from senior Gold Coast cricket. Wow. And that was... Who, who was that? I think it was Josh Nelson, yeah. I think. And so um, 29 of them came out of thirds and fourth grade from the Dolphins. So yeah. came to the Dolphins as a tavern or as a young player and then played in the thirds and fourths and up through the seconds to make their debut. Uh, I think there was um, four that came from other premier clubs or interstate and one from overseas or something like that. That was mm-hmm. loosely the number. So, so that I don't think there's ever an example where... Um, Blokes will come out of Gold Coast cricket, first grade, and then just go straight into Dolphins. I think it's junior alignment is probably the better way to do it. Mm. And then, you know, they come and play for the Dolphins, and then when they've had enough of that, they go back to the local cricket. Or some of them might come for a little while on their kids and then still go back. Um, so it's, yeah, and there's always talk about how many grades the Dolphins should have and the like. On those stats, I'd never give away third and fourth grade because they're so critical. Yeah, yeah, no, I didn't realise that. And, like, yeah. <clears throat> I think there's always been a bit of a, right, there's, each club can be a bit selfish and see the Dolphins almost as a threat, like, oh, we don't want to lose someone to the Dolphins. But, yeah, like, like you say, as far as, in my opinion, if, uh, you know, for example, we've got a young guy, Mitch Parks, who wants to go to the Dolphins, uh, I believe, and, um, you know, Go for your life, like fully support, and then yeah, when you when you're ready, come back to us, sort of thing, and like you know, that's the way it should be, right? Like it's a pathway club, like a yeah, pathway. And this is one thing in the old Alan Gilbray um, used to say this a lot was he said, look, you've got to realise that 
Local clubs, they want to win premierships. Mm-hmm. Dolphins, they want to get players to play for Queensland. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes, the, the, you know, because to win a premiership, it's hard then to give away your best young players so go and play the Dolphins. Here's our blessing. And so um, there's always been that little bit of tension between the differences. And I mean, I think the Dolphins will be happy not to win any premierships, but have as many players go through and play for Queensland. I think at last count, there's over 30 in mm-hmm. 30 years including half a dozen that play for Australia and a couple of women. So um, all that works, right? It's really good. Yeah. Um, and so it's... Because you hear people come out of local, you know, say, you know, Dolphins should have two grades, etc. And none of that actually helps the Dolphins become any stronger. Mm. They see it as, oh, well, we'll get more players back into our comp to be stronger. And it's like, well, no, because all those young kids actually go to Brisbane and play. Uh, they won't be playing for your local clubs because they still think they can play for Queensland. Sure. They've just got to figure out if they're not quite up to it but you know what do you think is the best time like how do you what do you think is the best time uh, age wise or skill wise to make that transition from a Gold Coast club into the Dolphins pathway as early as possible yeah I think in the modern cricket is that if you because they're spotted early um, I would you know 30 years ago I would have said you know 17, 18, 19 but now it's like 15, 16, get in there as early as you can because there are some views around elite cricket that if you haven't made it by the time you're 18, 19, you're finished, mm. which is ridiculous. Yeah. But it's just the fact of the system mm. the way it is now. And you do see that. You see a lot of like 14, 15 year olds, similar to your experience, right? 14, 15 year olds choosing to come out of their clubs potentially before they've made first grade debuts and things like that and jump into the Dolphins pathway. I always said, even when. I, and look, um, whatever the seniors wanted to do with going on a country pathway is fine because I didn't want to, as a Dolphins president, say, look, you shouldn't do that because it was giving guys a game of cricket. Mm. Um, but what I did say to them was, if you've got a good kid, please send him Premier Cricket. Don't send him through a country because you'll just waste mm. and you might miss the opportunity because by the time he comes back, and Harry Winton's probably an example of that, right? He played uh, great cricket for the Dolphins and made his first grade debut, I think, and then left to go to country. And I don't think he well, didn't go any further. And well, there's a ceiling on that country pathway, isn't there? And it actually comes in below first grade cricket. Mm-hmm. So even if they play for Queensland country or Australian country, it's not, you know, it doesn't sit above grade cricket or anything like that because they've still got to come back to Brisbane. Yeah. Name the last guy you picked for Queensland who didn't play great cricket in Brisbane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say too, um, touching on something you, you mentioned earlier, but um, the, the difference in maybe ideology between... Uh, maybe local clubs wanting to win a premiership and you know dolphins wanting to push players through i know you yeah you have always been big on the yeah clubs shouldn't pay players i guess that would have been maybe a challenge for you at some times where you know you probably did you lose players over time where you just had to go well if you want to go and play yeah, for, for money you know you're not going to do that here yeah and so good and this was really a ross chapman thing that he when the Dolphins started, and clubs like Helensville as well, it's like, we're not going to pay you and we're not going to make you a promise that we're going to play. And so Dolphins have always been like that. We've had them come, ex-first-class cricketers say, I want to play first grade, and it's like, yeah, okay, but you start in third grade. And then your performances warrant it. And it's like, no, no, I need to play there or I'm not playing. So, well, good luck in your career, go somewhere else. I think also for the Dolphins, what it has done is, and a lot of people sort of don't sort of... Um, reflect on this so much in local cricket they they always look at losing the juniors but what the Dolphins also does is bring senior players back in to the local comp when they finish their Except careers yeah. and they become the cornerstone clubs right yeah. um, and so for the Dolphins ideally those guys would finish first grade and then slide back down through the grades before they retire mm. but they in Gold Coast they go to local comp and the money's pretty good and mm. so it works against the Dolphins in one way but for some clubs it you know you look at some clubs that have won premierships off the back of guys who would never make their otherwise other than the fact that they played the Dolphins. Mm. Yeah. And so you finished up at the Dolphins in that official capacity in what year? Uh, 2019. 2019? Yeah. So not that long ago. No, two and years it, ago. And um, have you, so what, what are you up to now? Have you, have you, are you engaged in any cricket at the moment? No, none at all. Uh, I, I had a... <laughs> that, that must be... I, from all my years of dealing with you, I didn't think you'd ever escape. Uh, I thought you were going to be the president there forever. I, yeah, me too. But, um, <laughs> that's the hardest job sometimes, being a president is finding the next bloke to do it. But I think the time was right. Um, for me, I was just 
traveling for work and um, I have a role, a role at my workplace that has a lot of hours commitments to it so um, that was tricky but yeah it was the right time and I think others down there were sort of looking for some changes so I was happy to facilitate that for them um, yeah I stayed out of cricket I had a few feelers to do some stuff with some board roles but um, I work for a uh, an audit firm and we audit Queensland Cricket and Cricket Australia so I can't be on any boards so uh, I was gladly knocking back those advances so I've done some things like I was I helped Queensland Cricket on various selection things for the new CEOs and stuff like that mm. just providing input um, doing a little bit back now the Dolphins was a new leadership down there so helping them out again all the problems aren't new so yeah. it's all been sort of done before but yeah so keeping keeping an eye on from it maybe from a distance from with the dolphins uh, and and yeah. and even obviously yeah we, we see you down here occasionally which is which is awesome yeah you, you don't lose love for the club right it's yeah. always there so it's just a matter of what time can we you've got to to give and i'm always open to you know people ask me for help i'm always ready to give it mm-hmm. um but yeah i i live on live in some acreage that needs some attention every now and then with whippersnipping and stuff like that which I didn't realise how I ever got time to get to when I was down at Creek Club and um, it was also a thing where the Dolphins then went through a period where a lot of people moved on and I thought I was out the front sort of doing all this work and everyone would follow me and make it easy but in early they were just watching me do it so uh, it, yeah, it's really hard nowadays to be a sort of official at a club or volunteer what's that volunteer is it's that volunteer base isn't it it's hard to establish and what about playing Jeff when's the last time you played a game of cricket uh, someone asked me this uh, that I actually played um, just before I became president down there I had half a year in fourth and third grade I think and um, my batting average was better than my age so I was happy with that um, good I think my hamstrings were a bit tight, a bit <laughs> sore after a few games, but we made a semi-final, I think, and got done by the weather. But yeah, I enjoyed that. I'm getting Dan Doran still playing down there now. He's they won a third grade premiership last year, which is a great example of someone who stayed at the Dolphins and um, the impact it can have on those young guys going through those development grades. He's always into me to go back and play because he wants someone to talk to. I think. Well, we're happy to so facilitate <laughs> you to uh, make you come back here. And, uh, yeah, yeah. We, we talk about coming back here a lot of times, Jeff. I played a game two years ago, actually. Um, Warwick Blaves, who passed, sadly passed away, who was a local cricket identity and had been secretary of the Dolphins mm. as well. And we played a game at All Saints um, against the Queensland Cricketers Club, I think, Golden Oldies. And I must have hit him all right that day because I had offers come and left right and <laughs> to play veterans cricket. But... No, I didn't quite take it up. I wanted to ask you, you you've uh, you various through like Queensland, through Dolphins, all this sort of thing. Um, yeah, well, if you can pick out a best player that uh, that you, you've um, been able to share a field with or see, like I know obviously, I mean, everyone talks about Andrew Simons was at the Dolphins for quite some time and obviously a special talent, but uh, clearly you got to, to play, play with and against some amazing Amazing cricketers. So that under 14 tour to New Zealand, Matt Hayden was in that. Oh. He's my vintage as well. But it's not Matt Hayden as you come to know Matt Hayden because he used to wear a big, like, Tony Gregg style helmet and he would bat 60 overs and score 60 runs. Really? He from Fat Daddy. He was a real plump kid. <laughs> and then, right, and didn't, didn't get on with it like we came to know him. No, until he sort of got fit and turned himself into a weapon and started hitting them, sliding over the fences. But yeah, look, he was. Um, Obviously, very good. Um, I'm trying to think, I've had, you know, I've run into a lot of cricketers even in the UK. You know, and, um, some of the West Indian cricketers like Phil Simmons and the like over there. Um, Simons is obviously a good one because I've seen it so close. Like we could see it three to four years before everyone else could see it. How good it was with him, and I think he actually scored a big hundred out here one year in the Dolphins uh, in between grounds and used Tashan Oval, but. Um, McDermott was good at his day, like fast bowler. I remember when we had a Forest Cup game at Carrara back in the day before it became Metricon and he played for Ipswich and not, I was playing the Gold Coast and, and I was a young kid member standing there facing and thinking, Jesus, this guy's action's good. How good is this? <laughs> and then having to quickly um, look up for 140k an hour Thunderbolt. But, uh, yeah, I think, look, Simon's is standard because I've been close to him, but all of the Queensland guys of that era of mine were you know, pretty good. Your Laws, your Loves, and yeah. um, Hayden's. Um, had a little bit to Border, who's again fantastic. Healy was one of the better prepared cricketers I've ever seen anywhere. 
Um, like just pre-game stuff? Just, it was a prolific um, uh, diary mm. and, and made a lot of notes and uh, prepared hard. It was it had Larrikin as well in him, but just meticulous about preparation because the big thing with him was, you know, if he did well, he would be able to go back and look what he was feeling at the time and stuff that was wow. ahead of its time. Now I think in, you know, um, elite cool. cricket stuff, they sort of make him they log diaries and stuff like that to try and keep track of you know, how they're going. But he was... Um, Miles ahead of that, but even you know Peter Anderson played around. Uh, he was you know, often regarded as a better cricketer, better keeper than Heels, and Hick was close well, as well. P- like. Peter Anderson, uh, yeah, he was in line right to play for Australia, and then he got injured, and that's yeah. how Healy got in. Hard skill if you're a keeper; like it's only one spot. But. Uh, yeah, I got Peter Anderson out. That's uh, not going to lie. Just saying. <laughs> um, once he'd come back from coaching Afghanistan, so he was, he was fairly old, but still. Yeah. So that, that's a yeah proud proud wicket. But no, no. So yeah, there's a fair batch of uh, batch of cricketers there. Yeah, that, yeah, it's hard to pick one. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't blame you for that. And we talked a lot about the challenges of administration and administering a club. But reflecting on your time at the Dolphins, what are you most proud of? Uh, I think from a playing perspective was when we won our first premiership, which is pretty much when I retired. We finally made it through and broke through and we'd been close for a few years there and um, had a side that, um, you know, it wasn't full, like Simons didn't play in the final, things like that. He was off doing other stuff. So it was true club cricketers. Um, Scotty Mullet's captain, he'd finished his career, then come back. I think off the field, it's probably a couple of things. It's probably um, the women's program mm. down there, which has um, come on leaps and bounds, sort of the model for that, for Premier Cricket sort of anywhere in the country now, it's really good. And done so in the fact there's not a lot of, um, you know, at the time there's no girls comp around the coast, like the girls in teams, but there are hardly any girls teams, let alone girl only comp, and those couple of things getting that is important to participation because girls are different to boys, they prefer to play together. And so that was good, and also probably the facilities, I think, um, that ground down there, for a number of reasons, is a test cricket ground just sitting in a suburb uh, and having the facilities off that were great in their day, but you know, not so good in modern standards. And so being able to raise the funds and get that upgraded is probably a good way to leave the club. Uh, uh, before we finish, I, we need to talk about a couple of the names up on the board that uh, we maybe spoke about off air that uh, Steve and I uh, you know, don't know a lot about. But... Um, Oh, well, Steve Foster, you, you said was uh, Steve, well, yeah. Jason Churchill's mentor? <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. He's a used car salesman, Steve, for a bit when he came up from the, um, Melbourne. He played, I think he opened the Bowling for North Melbourne in the early 80s, and so he came up here, he was a bit older. Uh, ended up being a bricklayer, I think, but had the first mobile phone that was the size <laughs> of a brick. Um, yeah, so he was, uh, he was a good clubman up here. Yep, uh, and so Steve uh, was, yeah, club coach in, what's that, 91, 92, I think, I can, if I'm looking at it correctly. Uh, club champion in 85, 86, Jeff Campy. Jason Campy. Jason Campy, sorry. It depends, um, it depends what day you get Campy, because <laughs> I think he's changed his name now. There was a famous story about Campy, because he might have been in a little bit of trouble with the boys in blue, and they might have actually <laughs> taken him off from a local cricket game while he was still batting. And he, I think he protested and said, can't you just let me finish my innings? I said, no, you're off. <laughs> you're coming Put him in the back uh, of the squad. Can you imagine that yeah. kind of... It? <laughs> and, then, and then someone ran into him a few years later when Bean Lee were in the competition. He was playing for Bean Lee, and someone was saying, hey, Campy, and he wouldn't respond, and then he, he whispered out the side of his mouth, my name is Robbie Butler now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he goes by these days, but yeah, he was a character. Uh, Terry Oliver? Terry was, uh, came from Mackay and played for Australian country in the late 80s. Um, Queensland country batsman started, came down with the Dolphins, started, and um, ended up uh, going, after he left the coast, went back to Mackay and then came to Brisbane again, was the Bulls coach, and pretty successful one at that, and still he's in a private coaching capacity now, but good guy, Terry, he's good bat. And we've got to ask you about uh, the guy that's still around, but what are your what are your thoughts or oh, your memories of Steve Gooley back in there? Steve Gooley, Fred Flintstone. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember Steve always been at the bar, and then he, he just went a thousand miles an hour, whether he was talking or yeah, doing that stuff. Still or, right. Yeah, that sounds still right. changed. No, and look, there were some legends, but George Payne was a legend back then mm-hmm. too, as well. He used to do the wickets, and he was the type of guy at the club that did everything. Um, you know, Gooley was around 
always good value. You had Eric Payne, which is his son, and um, there's some real Dave Novak to look up there, and Phil Jarvis. There's some real legends around do you, cricket. Do you catch up with any of these guys still? Or I run into them every now and then. I used to run into Dave G a little bit because he did some stuff with um, junior rep team school mm. sport, and I used to get him onto Kerrydale or Bill Pippen when they had games and the like. But uh, no, it's it's too it's they're all yeah. It's like cricket. It's like you can't you can not see someone for years, and then it's like you've you know, seen them every week when you catch up. So it's it's a good it's a good game for that. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we we wrap up every episode just with a uh, bit of a set of what we call yeah what we think we're very clever and call it super yeah, over. Just a bit of um, a bit of word association. Uh, six words and just you know whether it, if you can give it a one word answer or however sure. but yeah um, so we'll do a mix of names and uh, and whatnot but um, first one I'm gonna jump in with is uh, Jason Churchill character what about um, Australian cricket in trouble <laughs> oh that we might need to dig deeper on that um, uh, Gold Coast Dolphins successful Andrew Simons. Freak. Uh, Big Bash. Waning. And lastly, what about the Hawks? Great club. Love it. Mate, it's been incredible having you on. Um, and I've, I've, yeah, I've learned so much about not just the Hawks, but the, you know, the, the history of career Gold Coast. And you've given so much to it, Jeff. And yeah, and it's, it's incredible that it all started here at the Hawks. So thanks so much for your time. Thanks for all your contributions at various levels um, to cricket on the Gold Coast. Thanks, Jim. My pleasure.